Hello and welcome to the We Love Betting Weekend Preview in association with Gambler. Hello guys, hope you're well. Thursday night again, Marco here from, here from We Love Betting. Joined as ever by Bradford City supporter Tom Love and Swindon Town fan Will Dyer as we look ahead to the weekend's best bets. My deepest sympathies to both of you guys on such unfortunate choices earlier in your lives in terms of football teams. I <laughs> uh, hope you have recovered from those awful choices. But anyway, hope you're both well, chaps. Uh, Will, I know you're still reeling from your, your losing bet on Wednesday night in the Champions League, which listeners won't have heard about. So uh, despite the woe that you've probably been enduring in the past 18 hours or so, what happened? Yeah, I had um I just went a bit mad on penalties bets in the in the Barca PSG game last night and I had both teams to score a penalty at thirty two to one and then both teams to score a penalty in the first half at hundred and twenty eight to one and uh Messi missed that forty five plus three in the first half. So licking wounds and yeah. <laughs> It was very hard to get back and talk, think about betting again straight away today to, to come up with some stuff for the podcast after that. Mm, licking wounds. If he does sound a bit subdued, you know why, listeners. Um, anyway, busy, busy period in the calendar at the moment. Uh, we've got Cheltenham around the corner. Plenty of Champions League football still to come as well. Um, and I know you listeners have enjoyed a little bit more of kind of learning about the two guys in the past couple of weeks. But uh, this week we had quite an interesting betting-relating question Coming in, um, which I'm going to ask you both about, actually, Chris Hermitage asks, could you discuss the merits of taking enhanced win prices on Bet365 compared to regular prices that they have going alongside in terms of an early payout if the team goes two goals up? So, Tom, uh, as from a sort of punter's perspective, do you want to explain the early win payout offer from Bet365, what it is, and, and also tell the listeners how you like to approach things? Yeah, so it's basically if if you back a team to win, whether that be on an accumulator or just as a single on bet three six five, I think a few other firms might do it as well. I haven't really looked too deep into it, but uh, basically the the team that you back, if they go two goals up, your bets are already paid out as a winner. So if that game ended three two and they lost, then they might have lost and you'd have backed a loser if you'd have just taken them outright and any other firm. And But you'd have been paid out, basically, if you'd have took it with 365 just because they did go two goals up. So it's quite an interesting thing that they've put in it. It's also interesting that they, they kind of keep it for accumulators as well rather than just single bets, which, um, it's it, to be fair, it's something that I quite like doing. Um just purely because how many times have you had a an acker on and you've you've seen a team go two nil up and you kind of ticked it off your list and ignored it for the rest of the game just to see it end two two and that ends up being the one that one that ruins you on your acker. So yeah, it's something that is interesting. I have noticed that the prices on Bet three six five are slightly less than they were last season when this offer wasn't uh, valid generally uh, they're not best price on win markets compared to a lot of other firms and it, it's just whether you want to take a slightly shorter price for a little bit more insurance and personally I do I kind of what I'll do is check the best price for that team to win on odds checker or, or an odds comparison site and if that team is kind of not point one points shorter. Um, that would be my threshold. So, say if you were getting a team at ten to eleven best price to win, but on Bet three six five there were seventeen to twenty, that'd be like not point not six difference. Uh, I'd probably still be willing to take the shorter price with Bet three six five for that, um, just to get a little bit more on our side. I mean, it, it just differs between. Uh, punting perspectives from different people I tend to be a little bit more happy to take a, a, t- a touch shorter um, for something that kind of gets the job done early like that so it's a really interesting question from Chris but it, it does just depend on if you're one of the braver punters if you're just willing to take a bigger price I suppose 
if you're a, a punter who bets quite big on singles, um, then it's something that you will have to do a bit more digging into. Uh, but yeah, I, I quite like it in in my opinion, and it's something that I, I've tended to use, and it, it has actually done me a favour quite a bit this season um, with teams coming back because all it takes is a red card or a penalty, and the, the game complexion completely changes. So. I've got a bet actually later in the podcast that kind of revolves around this, and I'll explain a little bit more then. Okay. Uh, Will, you're unofficially kind of behind enemy lines in terms of working with a bookmaker in your day to day job. Um, I know you try to look into the maths behind this, but uh, you've also got a quite interesting view really on things from the operator's perspective. Yeah. Um, so I think I replied on Twitter basically saying how uh, a Premier League team that goes 2-0 up or goes two goals up wins 90% of the time. Um, but obviously they need to get to two goals up as well. So if you reduce that, then it, it, it basically is not giving you sort of a 10% safety net. It's what much lower than that. But I couldn't actually, it was quite tricky and time consuming to, I started trying to do it, but to in order to get that um, value really or work out, put a number to how much of a, of a sort of, string in your in your bow uh that this could be um you kind of then need to work out the percentage of teams that go one goal up that then also go two goals up and that isn't really readily available very easily so i i didn't get an exact number to it but instead i just kind of looked at one match and tried to compare the the over round or the payback um whichever way you like to look at it um or the vig as well if you want to be a proper wise guy um about it but between the enhanced price and an early payout on on the north london derby this weekend so if you look at arsenal v spurs um they're offering bet 365 are offering a payback of 97.25 percent so they'll pay out um for every 100 pound they take they'll only pay out 97.25 percent or you can flip flip that and call it the over round um, a round book is where they'll give out exactly the same amount that they that they take, but that very you know that doesn't really happen unless really for promotional purposes on massive one-offs. But um, that's the ninety-seven point two five percent on the on the enhanced prices selection. But then if you look at the early payout, if you if you add up the probabilities together on a on a one x two for the Arsenal Spurs game, then it's then it's uh, a ninety-five percent. So. They're saying, I guess, then that there's a 2.25% difference um, between giving you that safety net or not giving you that. So I expect if we crunch the numbers massively, we would get, we would find out that that is probably the about bang on the expected value, maybe slightly swaying towards more the early payout being actually the less valuable um, solution because obviously the customer gets the nice sort of the, or the punter <laughs> gets the nice sort of uh feeling of of a of a promotion through the two up whereas they don't get that through the enhanced price offering so maybe i I actually expect you know it's the same thing with asian handicaps and double chance or or draw no bet like usually the asian handicap is slightly more um slightly better value and i'd expect that the enhanced price is probably slightly better value but like we'd said if you actually look at the north london derby that enhanced price like tom said in order to account for paying out people on early payout, they've kind of reduced their prices in other places just to to sort of make sure their margin is overall similar. So they're not top price um, all the time and they're not top price on this game in order to kind of pay for that promotion. So I would go, it depends what type of punter you are, like Tom said. I think if you're if you're more recreational, you probably go for the two up. If you if you think you want to play base of big bets, maybe a enhanced prices kind of person. Yeah, good stuff, guys. Uh, different perspectives always worth hearing about. Um, always good to hear your views. And obviously, if the listeners have any more questions like that, which you'd like the guys to to try and deconstruct, uh, send them in on Twitter, and we'll do our best to to address them uh, in future shows too. Uh, always quite interesting to hear those kind of questions and answers but we're going to move on now because uh, the weekend's fixtures are upon us um starting as ever in the premier league the north london derby is of course a standout game this weekend on super sunday arsenal are around 13 to 8 to 2.6 spurs around about 15 to 8 to 2.88 the draw is 5 to 2 that's 3.5 both of these teams in action on thursday night in the europa league which doesn't really help 
preparation for those guys or ourselves as well. I actually found this quite trappy. Um, I'm not going to say too much about the game because I haven't got a huge view, to be honest. Uh, I thought the draw, both teams to score, and also the 1-1 correct score were kind of three bets. I kind of thought if I had to have something, it'd probably be something along those lines, if not all three, uh, just for a bit of interest, really. But um, I'll happily hand it over to Tom to see if he sounds something more appealing right now. How do you see this one playing out? Very similar to you, mate. Um, it's a game that I didn't have a huge view on just because it's two sides that I've been quite vocal about this season that I, I don't particularly like uh, how they play. It's it's usually quite defensive. I mean, you, you do get the odd kind of outliers. I think Arsenal now, they've got a little bit more creativity in the side. They're probably a bit more threatening than they were in the first half of the season where they hardly threatened at all. Uh, were really poor, putting up really poor numbers, kind of deep completions, touches in the opposition box, shots in the box. And they've improved a bit, to be fair. And they're actually ranking on the performance data better than Spurs, which did surprise me. I thought uh, Spurs would be a little bit better, but... It, must have been a decent tail off from Spurs um, in the last couple of weeks or months. I mean, Spurs are actually operating at fifty-three percent xG ratio, Arsenal fifty-four. So there's there's nothing in it really between the two, and that a lot of things is kind of drawing my eyes to the draw. Like you, Mark, I think it's five to two with Unibet best price and. I can see that copying. I, I, I didn't really look into the head-to-heads. It's not something I look into massively, but it seems to me that like, a lot of these games in the last kind of 10, 15 years have, have ended all square. I think. I also think given what both managers are like, kind of the personalities, uh, Mourinho's obviously got a, a massive ego. He won't want to lose this, first and foremost. And that makes me think that Spurs are probably a little bit short, um, especially away from home where they've not convinced me. A lot of people kind of getting getting happy again about Spurs. I mean, with Bale and Ali coming back in. I've heard someone saying, oh, it's a, another Mourinho um, genius thing to do, kind of paying off Ali and bringing him in. It's not. If if he were genius, he'd have kept him in all all through this run, where they were having a bit of a nightmare. And if you look at the teams they've played, that they've not been great either. Um, the likes of Burnley and Palace at home, I'm, I'm not really looking too deep into them. So yeah, I did kind of settle on the draws of price play more than anything. I think it's the, it's the biggest price of the three and. It doesn't really make sense that it's that big. I'd probably expect it to be more like 11 to 5. So, yeah, I would have a tentative play on the draw here. Uh, It's interesting you brought up both teams to score. Uh, It looked a bit short to me, to be honest. Uh, It's not something that I was quite keen on. Uh, It's always interesting, too, whenever I look at the price on both teams to score, here you're getting around 1.75-ish, I think. but the over-underline is at 2.5. Uh, I'd usually expect BTTS to be a little bit bigger than that, more like 1.83 in that situation, especially when you're looking at the match odds and both teams are quite well balanced uh, in the market. So I, think, I thought BTTS was a bit short, and given the nature of these two, Arteta's tended to be quite defensive-minded in the big games, if you can. And Mourinho... We don't really need to say much about him in these games either. They'll they'll try and just be competitive and and keep a clean sheet if they possibly can. It could be one one. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. If you're gonna play any big price, I would probably play the one one correct score. Um, it, the kind of markets are saying to me that that should be the favourite as well. Uh, I'm not sure if it is, but yeah, I, I couldn't disagree with either of those points from you. The draw and the one-one. I will take the draw that five to two as a bet. And another bet that I liked is it Michael Oliver has this one. I think. Yeah, yeah, and 
It's interesting that you're speaking to Will earlier about the, the penalty. The penalty bet, both teams to score a pen. And it's just something that's really intrigued me this season. Uh, or since kind of VAR's come in, the the price on this seems way too big. I mean, in this game, if you go and bet Victor in their method of goal market and you take each team to score a penalty, it's 41 to 1, which I, I mean, just off the top of my head, I think that should be more like a 20 to 1 base price, maybe 25 to 1. Just especially when you get a ref like Oliver, who, who's been mad for, for um, pens this season. I mentioned in a previous podcast that he's given multiple penalties of about four or five times this season. Um, and you've got two teams here that will be kind of calling for penalties when they can, that they'll be in the ref's ear, no doubt. And these big games as well seem to see a lot of penalties. I don't know if it, it's the pressure on the referees with it being kind of a, a high-stakes fixture. Or I'm not really sure what's what's behind that, but 41-1 to 1 for each team to score a pen is madness in my eyes. And um, I, I'd, It'd be interesting to get Will's thoughts. It, it's quite hard to price these kind of things up, but it shouldn't be 41-1 to 1 with Oliver in charge and his pen record this season. Um, I think it's the best in the league. It was It was up there with Taylor. Um, I know Taylor actually gave the two pens in that Barca game, so it, it kind of follow, follows these refs around, and um, them two seem to be the, the prime suspects, so I'm willing to chance that 41-1. to 1. Um, I basically back that blind at that price in any of the top five leagues this season. I think you'd make money. It's something I'm going to look a bit deeper into in the international break when we get a little bit of time, time off to kind of dig into... Um, these different markets, but yeah, I, I think it's got to be worth a bet at that price. 41 to 1 with bet Victor for each team to have, uh, score a penalty. Will, what's your, what's your take on the, the North London derby? Yeah, I also looked at that long shot. I'll get to it as well because I've got some views on on, on that um, 41 to 1 shot too. Um, I think yeah, like, like Tom said, both of them pretty level, aren't they? With XG ratio, pretty poor by their long-term standards, at least. Um, Arteta's side are pretty well off the pace, although Aubameyang started scoring again and they progressed past Benfica in the Europa League. Uh, last one, well, we don't know what's happening tonight now, but yeah, they, they had that purple patch in December and January, and now it's just two wins in their last seven in the Premier League since then. Um, I expect they will probably dictate uh, proceedings with the ball but maybe not so much as they did in December against Spurs um, they had 69% of the possession but they were trailing ever since the 13th minute so maybe some kind of a bit different than than that meeting um, in that respect Bale is reborn isn't he um, feels like it scoring scoring for fun at the moment and I would he just looks like he's actually really enjoying himself again Desperate for the ball going forward. I know defensively his capabilities are pretty low, but he, he just doesn't come across as being lazy at all in any way right now. Um, and his ratings on who scored have been super high in three of his last seven. In two of those seven, he's won man of the match by who scored's ratings. And actually, he didn't win it against Palace at the weekend, despite hitting 9.74 rating out of 10 on their, on their site. So... He was a bit more anonymous against Fulham. Um, but yeah, six goals in six games, none of which he's even played 70 or more minutes in. So I think I, I will have a go at him to score any time at 13 to 5 with Sporting Index. Obviously, he'll be desperate to do it against his old rivals, which he hasn't featured against. I don't think he featured in December. Um, so uh, yeah, so 13 to 5 at Sporting Index. Hope I haven't scared you off with the word index there if anyone's been following the football index news um and, <laughs> and uh yeah um michael oliver like tom said i i don't yeah like i'm not i'm going to skip past the 1x2 or the match result because i just think it is really quite even as well like you guys said on the stats and on the on the on the prices as well really maybe a draw like you said um but michael oliver yeah i've done done some extensive digging on him um he get these he gets these big games a lot particularly as well the North London derby 
He's ref 285 Premier League games. 45 of them have been top six encounters, which is 16% when, when those fixtures only account for 8% of all games. So he's getting these big games. I think they've, he's been a darling of their eyes ever since he kind of came on the scene in like 2011, um, sort of eight seasons in a row. He's been getting tons of these fixtures. Um, and he has done the North London derby six times, uh, five times in the Premier League, given four cards, uh, four yellows, nine yellows, five, four and eight. Um, so he's averaging 6.4 cards per game in this in this. Uh, particular fixture and then if you actually also look at those um, top six encounters as well his his cards per game across the those 45 matches he's reft is 4.18 which is quite significantly higher than the 3.39 for the for the uh, total lifetime cards per game he gives in the Premier League so he seems to be up for the bigger fixtures um, and I know we've got some concerns around um cards being you know slightly slightly off the boil at the moment without fans but um the stats kind of show that he may he may get a few out here and i will have a go at xhaka um to have a card at 21 to 10 with william hill and sky bet he's been carded in six of ten north london derbies um and he had a bit of a howler against burnley last weekend so i'm hoping he's eager to redeem himself as well uh, lifetime Jacker is 27% on cards, so he should be about 13 to 5. But at 21 to 10, given the, the nature of the fixture, I still think it's a fair price. Um, and yeah, penalties. Um, he's given 15 pens um, across 12 matches out of those 40, uh, 45 top six encounters as well. I had a look at the pens in that respect too, which is bang on his lifetime average of of 0.33 or 33% penalties per game. So no particular increase for depending on how big the game is um, with him giving pens. But I think Tom Tom's right to question the the price on, on both teams to score a penalty. And if I actually just multiply the odds of Spurs to score a penalty is 11 to 2 and Arsenal to score a penalty is uh, just, shy, just a bit below that. So just over 5 to 1 times those two together and you get bang on 41 to one. So that's all they're doing pretty much is, is doing that. And, um, but I think like we've said, we chatted on WhatsApp briefly and we, and we said that that doesn't really count for any sort of game kind of vibe where it feels like this is just a high intensity match where they're more likely to flow. Um, one, you know, like London buses to come at once or, um, something like that and to maybe they try and potentially level up the mistake they made um i thought i was hoping last night in that second half that because they didn't give that pen i failed to mention didn't i that it should have been retaken the messy penalty as well to make matters even worse um because verratti was encroaching and then cleared the ball as well so <laughs> i was hoping that taylor would have tried to redeem himself by giving a penalty to them in the second half but he didn't but um so I'll leave that one to Tom if he's put that price up, but I definitely like that at 41 to 1. And yeah, like he said as well, he's given a, each team a penalty in two of three matches with the top six this season in Liverpool City and Arsenal Chelsea. So plenty of reason to like that. Um, so for me, Xhaka to be carded at 21 to 10 with William Hill or Skybet, and then Bale to score any time at 13 to 5 with Sporting Index. Lovely stuff. Some great research there as well. Great stuff. Will, um, I'm going to stay with you because uh, we've put out, or Tom put out his usual poll on Wednesday to see which game he wanted us to to preview from the continent. Um, I actually said to Tom uh, on WhatsApp, if Sevilla versus Betis doesn't win, I'm resigning from the podcast. So thankfully, <laughs> you guys have voted the right way. Despite a spirited effort, it should be said, from the Milan versus Napoli fans, got a lot closer than I expected it to be. But uh, yeah, Sunday night, El Gran Derby in the beautiful city of Seville. Uh, this one very rarely lets you down. I'll be making a solid play. Actually, I have made a solid play. Or well, we have, I should say. Not, not, not I. We have made a solid play, Tom and I, in the WLB Gold channel um, for members um, on this game. Um, but uh, I'm going to go back to Will to see what his view is on the, the best derby, I'd say, in Europe. Seville against Betis Sunday night. Yeah, totally agree. can't believe we were 2% away from losing our head honcho. Um, but yeah, uh, 
it feels a, a world away from November 2019. I went to the, well, I went to El Gran Derby at um, Stadio Benito Villamarín, but this one is at um, Ramon Sanchez Pijuan. But um, I had quite a terrifying experience at, <laughs> well, maybe not terrifying, but <laughs> at, this, at that game in November, just, well, we, we got held outside the stadium for so long that we then, just because of the um, opposition away fans coming in, um, that then when we actually finally got in, we had to climb basically down 10 rows of people to get to our seats on the front row and just massively apologising to everyone. And then for the whole match, I just had this big burly Sevillano guy just spitting and breathing heavily down my neck for 90 minutes while he was just so livid at the owners. So um, it was quite... It was quite enjoyable, despite that. Still, um, and I, I, I agree. It's Spain's best derby. Fourteen percent of the local population have a season ticket for either one of the clubs, and um, yeah, which is accounts for almost fifth of the city's population when the stadiums are full. So, good, good, uh, good match, and I was very happy that this one as well. Um, Los Verde Blancos are the form side in La Liga at the moment. Won four in a row lost just one of the last 10 and, and even that was a 3-2 reverse to Barca um, so huge improvement it was looking like on last season's 15th position and I guess Manuel Pellegrini who took over in July has a, a lot to, to say for that on his he's now in his fourth Spanish job and he's actually not really changed his side that much so I, I guess he's just getting a lot more of his, from his players than, than Ruby could um, they battered Alaves on Monday night and got that 3-2 win so if you were two up on Alaves you you were laughing um, with Bet365, but yeah, Betis turned that round and working class hero Joaquin scored um, and, and a brace from uh, Borja Iglesias, who has had seven goals in his last five hours of football as well. He's in absolutely flying form. Um, and Sevilla obviously made a bit of a, a good crack of it against Dortmund in the end, but couldn't really come from behind completely. There were two goals down in both legs at certain stages and conceded four to Holland over over those two matches so a bit too far for them but um yeah they they've had pretty much quite a tough spell um Sevilla um twice playing Barca as well in in the last few weeks and losing at home in the league and then losing uh the second leg throwing away their their um advantage in the first that they had from the first leg um in extra time of the second leg so and then lost 2-1 as well at the weekend to Elche. So top top four claims are probably still fine, I reckon. I think I think they'll improve a little bit in form and, and they've, they've got a bit of an advantage. But if they do lose this to, to Betis, then they're, they're only three points above them. And, um, but one thing I think what's really going to help with them is that this is only the second time since 2012 that they haven't, that they've been knocked out of European football uh, in February. So they almost always have to fight on all more fronts in from March onwards, and that's not the case this time around. So, and they they quite clearly as well a lot better than Betis on all the on all the data metrics. Um, it's crazy that Betty have actually conceded forty to Sevilla's twenty. Um, they did have an autumn, a rotten autumn as well, where they lost seven of nine games, Betis, but. Um, I, I think Sevilla evens, which is actually the biggest price they've been at home to win a derby since 2005. I think it's, it's probably actually potentially a bit of value. Um, as much as I hate sex, I'm more of a Betty fan, but um, I don't think there's any value on, on them, to be honest. Um, Lahaz is the ref. Um, I'm, I'm reluctant slightly, I know, with no fans again. Um, but they, there is one nice stat here, which is that um, the cards against um, Sevilla is second highest in the league, 3.28 cards per game. One of a lot of the reasons for that is a Campos is second most fouled player in the league, and actually the, the most fouled player in the league is Nabil Fakir on the on the other side. So at 3.2 fouls per game and 2.8 fouls per game, those two. So could still be some cards here. Um, and I think what I'm going to do is going to go for a bet builder basically. Um, with Betis over one card, um, which should come in, the odds, the kind of combined point, um, booking points per game over the season suggests maybe 2.8 cards for Betis. So 
over one Betis card, over zero severe goals, because I do think there's a bit of juice in their price, and over three Betis corners, which is six to four at Bet365. Um, Betis average the fifth most corners per game in La Liga, which surprised me a little bit, just over five. Uh, so I think they'll manage to get that, um, especially if they might be chasing the game. I think with Sevilla probably winning this one, unfortunately. So over one Betty card, over zero Sevilla goals, and over three Betty's corners at six to four. Sounds good. Over to you then, Tom. El Grand Derby, talk to me. What's your angle? Well, I was um, wrenching with jealousy hearing that Will had gone to that to that game. It's probably the game in Europe that I, I would most like to get to. Uh, it's definitely on the list for once um, fans are allowed back in stadiums because it's one that I've just loved watching ever since I kind of got into La Liga um, probably about 10, 10 years ago when you had that um, Revista de La Liga on Sky. The, the glory <laughs> days of La Liga that was, wasn't it? Um, yeah. It's kind of not not quite as good as it used to be. I've got to be honest. It's it's not a league that I've took a lot of interest in in the last couple of years. Um, but I I always always manage to watch this game. It is always usually on a Sunday night as well as we've got one here. Yeah, it's a really interesting one from a from a betting perspective. It, it it's I looked at the price on Sevilla and I thought. Actually, it's a little bit short. I actually thought it was a little bit short. Um, I, I just think they've had such a busy schedule this season. They've done decent in the domestic cups as well. Um, obviously, they got to, was it the Copa del Rey against Barca recently? Then they've had back to back games against Dortmund, uh, sandwiched either side of that. And I just wonder if it's going to take its toll on them a little bit. Um, to be fair to Lopetegui who's really impressed me this season, the, the Sevilla manager he's juggled all these competitions perfectly um, few teams have done so well but if you look at their good run Sevilla, it has been over the winter when there's not been Champions League, Europa League football um, and I just wonder if it might catch up to them. And, and obviously, they were away midweek, a, a very tiring game. Uh, a game where emotions got the better of them, I think it's fair to say. that They had six or seven cards in that one. And it, it's not putting them in a brilliant place for for this derby on, on Sunday night, especially with Betis in flying form at the minute. Obviously, one far on the trot in the league, seven of the last nine. Um, <laughs> kind of saved my skin a little bit on Monday night. I had them as my napper to beat Alaves at 45. I was kind of scrunching up the the invisible betting slip and throwing it in the bin when Alaves went 2-0 up. But I managed to bring it back and Iglesias off the bench and Fekir. They just make such a difference to this team. Um they do have strength in depth, but they're the difference makers and the both should be okay here, I think. And I think Iglesias gives them a, a great kind of focal point up front and they, then they've got some nice players playing off of him, including Fakir. Let's him kind of uh, get get into them lines between the defence and the midfield and kind of work his magic. So I actually, I, I didn't really want to back Betis Um I would side with them at the prices, but um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be back in Sevilla around even money. I've got to be honest. Uh, but my my main bet is both teams to score at nineteen to twenty with Sport Nation. I understand a lot of people say Sevilla defensively have been very good, but we saw what a team that he. Is of high quality can do to them. Uh, they do struggle against the better teams in the league, and Betis is showing that they're one of the better teams in this league at the minute, um, especially with the form that they're in. And you just got to think about the mental fatigue as well for Sevilla, especially with that trip as well. It's physical, it's mental. It could kind of make them switch off. But I do think that Betis are gettable. I mean, if Alaves can score two against them, I think that Sevilla can score against them. So 
yeah, I thought both teams to score a really nice price at 19 to 20. I expected that to be around five to six. So, yeah, ha- happy to take them quotes on BTTS. Uh, and yeah, from the cards perspective, um, it, it's quite quite obvious to expect cards in this. It's one of the most feisty, feisty games in on the continent, let alone Spain. And if this was two years ago. And you got Lahoz given this game. I'd um I'd probably be backing both teams over five cards. But uh he's kind of gone off the boil a touch. But I don't think it matters what ref is in this game because of the hatred between the two sides steeped in history. It's kind of um when when I've there's a great book, uh, The Frying Pan of Spain by Colin Miller that I I read uh, last summer, which is Kind of goes into detail about this derby, and and it's one of the. It's not just geographical. It, it's the fact that a team came on and kind of uh, came with money and kind of upset the the initial team, and um, it, it still festers. And it's a part of Spain where it's kind of known for the flamenco and kind of passion and and kind of. Um, just real, really fiery emotion, and I think that this this game kind of typifies that. So, backing cards seems a simple way in. I, I mean, uh, both teams have over one cards uh, around four to six. I think it should be shorter than that. Um, I, I'm just expecting quite a few cards, and I look did look at the player card markets. So I'll probably do a couple of doubles. Um, Emerson for Betis if he starts on that right hand side likely to be up against the Campos as Will mentioned I think he's on 7 euros this season he's only 8-5 to five for a card best price at the minute which isn't fantastic but maybe double him up with someone like Gudelj who's playing as a defensive midfielder for Sevilla who's actually he's picked up um, a card every game he's started pretty much and he always finds himself in the thick of the action. So there'll be a couple of doubles that I'll be looking at. Um, Bet365 haven't priced up the player cards yet, which is a bit annoying. Um, but yeah, there, there might be a couple more things coming in that uh, on the gold channel. But yeah, my main bet here will be both teams to Scott 19 to 20 with Sport Nation. Lovely stuff. I do agree. Uh, Lahoz, um, not the, the greatest appointment considering his. His record behind closed doors. However, I think the the, the situation of Betis playing Sevilla is, is normally one to sort of supersede a refereeing appointment, and I would expect the cars to flow, or at least hope so. Um, right, business time. We're going to get the naps next bests long shots starting in reverse order with Will and his long shots. Yeah, uh, I kind of struggled for one this weekend. I've been a bit dis- disenfranchised with them lately. There's just so many <laughs> close attempts. Another one last weekend. Um, with I mentioned Atleti minus three cards was in the Madrid derby was eleven to two and and then I opted for a different one that lost instead and that one won it was just oh but yeah I'll, give it, I'll go we'll again get yeah we'll get yeah and I you know I was like looking through the one x two coupon as well and just trying to find a, a price on a team I liked and one thing I noted even in League Two there's not a single team at the weekend that's under even money to win the match in 12 fixtures. So tough coupon, potentially. Um, and in the end, yeah, I went for um, a punt in Wolfsburg versus Schalke. Um, Schalke on their fourth manager of the season, Dimitrios Gramotsis. I, I can't keep up with it, to be honest. I know he's been managing in the Zwei Bundesliga and yeah, had slightly obscure playing days. And he was... Born in Germany, um, obviously of Greek descent, but yeah, probably, I mean, the fact that he's had slightly obscure playing days as well as being German is probably both signs of a good coach, to be fair, but um, who knows? Uh, I'm not really claiming to know enough about him, but um, Schalke obviously uh, in absolutely awful form, one win all season, um, and Wolfsburg are doing a hell of a lot better than that. Um, Weghorst has been fined in the back of the net consistently um i actually saw you mention them on matchbooks podcast as well um mark but i i I had actually had this one penciled in as well before so i thought i'd cut that out there before you start thinking i'm copying you with 
Palmer. Well, I, I thought well. we were starting the long shot talking about Schalke, and I was thinking he's not putting Schalke up to win away at Wolfsburg. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, a veg horse bet. I'm I'm going for um, De Wolfe. They're sitting sitting pretty, as we said, and a bit, had a bit of a setback against Hoffenheim last weekend. But they've only lost to they'd only lost two games before that, and they were against Dortmund and Bayern as well. So. They're they're doing really well and and uh, Veghorst is scoring fifth scored thirteen times in twenty four sorry fifteen times in twenty four matches, um, of which two of those he bagged a brace in Bundesliga. So thirteen matches he scored in, and if we look at it like that, then the price on him just to score anytime is four to five, um, which would be bang on the probability if you looked at this season as well at fifty five percent. But then obviously um, you're not considering that he's playing the worst side in the league. Um, so Skybet seem to just love pricing him nicely. I know Tom's put him up a couple times on there, and both and every time he has, he's, he's scored. Um, and one other thing to note, actually, as well, I, I didn't look at because Bet three six five price on him scoring isn't so good. But ten of his fifteen goals have come in the first half, which is quite uh, quite a standout stat considering that the second half of football matches tends to be where m- more goals are scored, something like fifty five percent of goals are scored in the second half of football matches so the fact that he's scoring them in the first is kind of interesting as well but I've instead just going for him to score a brace um it's seven to two um at sky bet and bet victor so another one I think has got great claims he's he should be able to tear through a team like this yeah I agree nodding on nodding nodding along in approval and I'm sure Tom is as well uh Tom your long shot yeah I completely agree with that it's it, I was looking at him to score two or more as well. I'm <laughs> not really a seven to two punter when it comes to <laughs> no, shots, but um, it did cross my mind. I was hoping we could get kind of one point eight or bigger on him to score any time. I think one point seven five is the best we can get. Uh, but yeah, completely agree with everything Will said there. No surprise. And I'm actually going to stay in the Bundesliga. Um, I mentioned earlier that. Uh, the early payout option will be a part of one of our bets and kind of in my thinking. I'm going to take Hertha to beat Dortmund at 11-2. to two. Um, I, I just think that Dortmund, there's a beginning to be a bit more hype around them again after their results against Sevilla, but they made hard work of it. Um, they should have they won by more, in my opinion, against Sevilla. And you just wonder how much that's kind of taken out of them. I mentioned the kind of getting against Sevilla if we, in, a, in a kind of way. I think that getting against Dortmund here could be a, a canny way in. I mean, we covered the Dortmund game last week against Bayern. And I mentioned that Dortmund actually rank as the top team for expected goals ratio away from home in the Bundesliga. Um, but at home, it's not quite as good. I think they rank for around fifth. Um, which isn't great, and we've seen how bad they can be at the back, especially at home against strikers who kind of give them a, a torrid time. Some quick strikers are they can just be sliced apart so easily. Uh, I think Sevilla weren't at the best for either of those games, uh, but they did dominate midweek, and I, I'm looking at the price on her to eleven to two, and I just think that. If they come out the traps quickly, they could even go two goals up. A few teams have done it at Dortmund this season. And we've seen away wins and shocks in the Bundesliga quite a lot. And I just look at that Dortmund defence. Hummels, uh, Emery Chan, if he fills in. Delaney could be filling in as another centre-half. And then Schultz and Matthew Mori at wing-back. It's really not a good defence. That's kind of I'm looking at that defence and I think that's mid-table Bundesliga defence. Um, whereas Hertha have actually impressed me since Paul Dardai came back to the club, who did okay when he was there first time. Uh, Hertha have kind of invested quite a lot in the last couple of years and not really reaped any rewards from that. And they are in a real relegation battle, but I've seen them play quite a bit in the last couple of weeks and they've been impressive deservedly won against Augsburg last week and uh, I, I hope that they start with John Cordoba 
and Doddy Lukabakia up front. Um, I think them two could cause some real nightmares for that Dortmund defence with their pace. And then you've got the likes of Zia Fuck, who's been a great addition, I think, at right back. And Maximilian Mittelstadt, who's always a creative threat on the left. They've got uh, Gwenduzi there, of, of course, Lucas Toussaint. So they've got they've got quality there. Uh, Piatek as well could come in. I mean, they are without Matthias Cunha, which is a blow, but Piatek was good and he scored last week. So if he starts, he's a goal threat as well. And I just look at the price, 11-2. to two, It keeps coming back to me, and I think that that's got to be worth a couple of quid. And if they do go two goals up, they're actually best price with Bet365 as well, around 5-1 to one elsewhere. So... You're getting best price and the benefit of an early payout. Um, I'm more than willing to chance them against the Dortmund d- defence that just look um, a shambles, in all honesty. Yeah, I like the sound of that. It's a good case, well made, especially when you see the scenes, uh, the final whistle of that game uh, midweek against Sevilla, where you could see how much it meant to the players of Dortmund and mm. how much they put into that match too. So there could be a bit of an emotional... Uh, and physical hangover from uh, the midweek match in the Champions League against the Hertha team, who, if anything, under Pal Dada, you just know they're going to be super organised and super yeah. hard to break down and beat. But uh, let's move on then to the next best. Tom, far away of your next best. Yeah, it's quite simple, and I know you're keen on it as well, Matt. Chelsea at 4-5 to five with Unibet to beat Leeds is just too big. Uh, I'm surprised they're not more like 4-7, to seven, to be honest. I don't really know why teams against Leeds get priced up um, so big, especially the big teams. Uh, yeah, it's just Leeds against the top team. Um, we know that they're going to operate in the same way as if they were playing a, a Palace or whoever. And the fair play to Bielsa, it makes it fun, but um, it's not the best way to get results against the best teams. That's for sure. It's shown in the results. It's shown even more so in the data against the top six. Um, I think you mentioned, didn't you, Mark, on a, on the, um, it might be in the Matchbook podcast too, that uh, Leeds are conceded around three XG per game on average against the top six. <laughs> which is, yeah, the um, big six and Leicester, they're conceding pretty much three expected goals per game on average in eight games. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a shambles, really. And... They're not a team that I'd want to back with any faith against the big teams. And especially against Chelsea, who can rest and rotate. They've got that Atletico Madrid game coming up, which will be big. But they've probably got the best strength in depth, Barman City, in the league, in my opinion. And Tuchel has shown that his sides just don't concede chances. They don't concede goals. And... Just it's incredible what he's managed to do in that. I know they did have a decent defensive run under Lampard, but they never looked completely watertight. Um, I just doesn't like good on Lampard, does it? No, it really it doesn't. It doesn't. But you've got to think it's not his fault that he's a club legend there and he got appointed by the managers. Kind of a bit seemed a bit of a PR plus point for them. Um, if you look at a normal championship manager. They're not going to get a, the Chelsea job, are they? Unless they're a, uh, I think it, it just shows that it was a little bit of a stopgap, um, if I'm honest. And Yeah, I, I think that Chelsea will score at least two against Leeds, and I can't see him conceding more than one goal, basically. So, four to five on them to win it, it's a simple bet, but um, I'd, I'd make it... I'd make this had bet down to around four to six, to be honest. So 1.8 or 1.79, I think it is, with Unibet. Um, very keen on that on Saturday. Yeah, me too. Uh, Will, your next best? Yeah, I'm going to have another go at a Premier League game this weekend. Didn't have much luck last, so this could be my could be my last attempt. Um, Fulham, Man City, Saturday night, 8pm. Um, only one of Fulham's last 10 games have gone over 2.5 goals. Um, they've conceded just one goal in the last four games, and it was actually a deflected shot as well that went down as an own goal. So kudos to Scott Parker. I don't, I didn't really think I had it in him to turn turn this around, but it's well and truly back on, um, well, possible, possible to, for them to stay up now. Um, 
level on points at Brighton and just a point behind Newcastle and Burnley are in touching distance as well. Against Liverpool, well, I mean, who knows? Is that actually, is it difficult against Liverpool at the moment? I'm not sure. But they hardly troubled, Liverpool hardly troubled them. They only managed 0.7 xG. They obviously, Fulham did their homework or it's not that much homework required. It's obviously a very high level football so everyone knows what what they're doing. Um, but yeah, um, they they just they didn't really look too troubled by that. And Fulham themselves are actually obviously quite averaging quite low XG numbers too. Haven't had a higher than one point three seven um, game where they've recorded XG of that or or higher uh, in any of their last six. Um, going back prior to that, that does include a two 0 win at Everton where they recorded two point five five XG as a bit of an anomaly, but most of their good work, basically what I'm trying to get at, is, is coming from hard defensive work and nicking a game 1-0 or, or that kind of uh, that kind of a thing. And they they rank 12th for XG ratio now at an impressive 47%. Um, and I just think a lot of that has been is down to discipline, basically. And when visiting Etihad in December, they only lost 2-0. One of those goals was from a penalty. It's limited City to, to only five other shots on target beyond that. So I think they could be pretty proud how they performed there and it's probably one of those that's that's kind of um ignited this this good run for them since then and they city hosted saints in an extremely open game in midweek had there were 16 shots 16 shots on target in that match um six of them for the visitors uh though which i can see that kind of getting to pep a little bit again there conceding two goals two Saints, um, and potentially maybe they might want to go for a bit more of a controlled affair this weekend. Well aware that obviously City could potentially blow them away, but they do host Gladbach on Tuesday. Tie isn't completely over yet. Um, and I, I'm just going to go for Scott Parker's side, yeah, to to keep this one under 2.5 goals at 11 to 10. If you, if you look over the whole season, um, 8 of 28, only eight of 28 Fulham games have gone over 2.5, um, which is only 29%. So if you'd looked at just clip like, like plainly at Fulham, that'd be a, a 12 to 5 shot. Um, and it probably as well surprise you to read that only 12 of City's 29 league games have gone over 2.5 goals. Um, in the, There's been a bit of a, a, a spell of, of high scoring ones recently, but the fact that, yeah, just 41% of their matches are going over is quite surprising. And you, you kind of combine that together, I'd say you you're looking at about a 35% chance of overs. Obviously, that doesn't take into consideration the supremacy that City would have over Fulham. So maybe boost that up a little bit higher. But really, the odds suggest um, that there's a 58% probability of this one going over. Um, and I would go against that. Um, like it's probably it's it's priced at 11 to 10, so that's a 48% chance. Um, but I actually think it should be more like four to seven or a 65% chance of unders here. Um, maybe maybe move, if you look just plainly at the stats, maybe move that in a little bit for the supremacy that, that City would have. But I don't I don't make it an odds against play, basically. And hope that Fulham can, yeah, they might bulk out the midfield, bring back in Loftus-Cheek or Zambo and Gisa as well and, and try and just cling on to... To stay in the tie with it um, with City here and 11 to 10 for under 2.5 goals at bet 365 for me yeah fair enough I like the sound of that I think 16 of their last 18 in the Premier League from Fulham have gone under two and a half goals as well mm. going further back to um, part of the show the best part of the show obviously now the naps the best bets of the weekend Tom your best bet please I'm going to La Liga for mine on Saturday. It's a massive game at the bottom between two teams that you don't usually want to watch, to be honest, Alaves and Cadiz. Um, basically, I'm, I'm looking at the table. Uh, Cadiz are on 28 points. The six points clear of Ibar and Alaves, who are both locked on 22 points, 18th and 19th, and then Huesca around 20 points. So, given how long's left in the season, there's still chance for probably the entire of the bottom half, probably up to Valencia, to be embroiled in the uh, uh, relegation scrap. And I think whenever these teams meet now, from now till the end of the season, 
I'm going to be looking at the card markets and um, seeing kind of who matches up for cards and who, who's got good referee appointments. And I, I, li- I like this. Uh, both teams over one cards four to five on Bet365 Bet Builder. Well, 1.8, that is. I'm, I'm happy to take that uh, in this game. Alaves home games are, are pretty mental when it comes to cards. This bet's actually landed in all but two home games this season, so 85%, um, including each of the last six. Each team has had three or more cards in the last four home games for Alaves too. And, yeah, they're, they're, they're a very dirty team. If you just look at them on their, on their own, um, they've only managed under two cards in two games this season out of, what, 26? So I know that you had to put out on on Twitter, Mark, what teams are getting 20 or more booking points, and Alaves are always up there. It doesn't surprise me, given how kind of dirty they are. Even though they've got Abelardo, I think he's back at the club. Um, they've always been a dirty team in the last couple of years, even when he was here before. So, yeah, Alaves games are always good for cards. Cadiz, not not unbelievable for cards, um, but I think it's kind of getting to a crunch point for them where they're just going to try and pick up points. If they can get a point here, I don't think they'll be too disheartened, but they're going to be fighting for points just to edge their way out of it. And they've seen two or more cards in the last four away games. They've been carded in all but one away game and all but one home game too so they are regulars when it comes to picking up at least a card and Alaves always make it a battle uh, for their opponents I think it's only two sides have managed to not pick up two or more cards at uh, Alaves this season at their ground so yeah I think we've got a a ref here in um, Isidrio Dimias Escuderos I think he's called. Um, he's a he's someone who, who's been good this season for cards. Um, he had the Levante Bilbao game uh, a couple of weeks ago, where he gave uh, five yellows, two pens, and a red. I think both goals in that were a pen actually. And um, yeah, I think, I think seven of his last nine he's given two or more cards to each team. So. Basically, I'm, if you're getting a good ref in any Alaves home game against anyone and you're getting four to five about both teams to have over one card, um, it, it's a must play for me. So, yeah, both teams over one card, four to five in the Alaves Cadiz game. Lovely stuff. Will, your favourite fancy? Yeah, I'm going to go for a, a League One play. Uh, Lincoln versus Rochdale, Saturday, 3 p.m. Dale haven't scored now in seven games in a row. Um, I cited them last week's Any Other Business about that run. You hate Rochdale, don't you? Yeah, I bring them up. I've talked a lot about Brian Barry (laughs) Murphy. (laughs) So I don't know what it is. Um, Yeah, clearly they're not very good at the moment. So they're coming into my thinking quite often. But yeah, um, had never two, two, fired another two blanks in the last week, one at the Stadium of Light. Uh, and then again at Scotland in midweek and they actually had an XG of 1.3 in midweek um, a big missed chance by Stephen Humphreys whose who's dry spell in front of goal is really harming them actually he's he had scored it 8 in his first 13 matches of the season but um, since then it's uh, a run of 10 games without goal so really missing his um, his kind of prolificacy, prolificacy in front of goal but um, the imps on the on the other side have, have returned. Well, actually, I was going to say return to form. We should, they had they had a one or one win and a draw. But they're basically actually one of the most out of form sides in that top that top section. Um, but they do boast the third best expected goals against in the league of of just done zero point eight seven goals against them per game. And the second best xG ratio, sixty three percent, compared to Dale, who post a lowly. 40% XG ratio, uh, which actually goes down to 32% if you look at the form tables in recent recent weeks. They're the they're bottom on that metric. Um, so it's no fluke that they haven't scored in seven. And yeah, Tom Tom hinted at the fact that 
we're coming towards that like sort of nothing to play for um time of the year where you need to kind of look at fixtures based upon that and obviously this one is is definitely not one of those is there's all to play for for either side one at the top and one at the bottom here um despite lincoln's yes maybe slightly poor form they're, they're easily within a shout of automatic promotion thanks to uh, some uh, slip-ups from posh as well of late uh in midweek they drew 1-1 at ipswich uh it was paul cook's first game in charge in suffolk um and the, yeah the tractor boys must have just three attempts on target in that whole game um so lincoln again keeping sides very quiet um you know if if they can only, if they can limit it switch to three shots how, i hate to think how many rochdale are going to manage <laughs> unless they're all from 30 yards out um uh, it was just an xg of 0.4 for ipswich in that game um and uh, themselves they didn't do too well lincoln in front of goal they, they had a screamer from morgan rogers who's on loan from city um and has been kind of lauded quite a lot this season um he managed to jink past a couple of defenders and fire into the roof of the net for a very nice goal. But but yeah, my my plays uh, is one of those ones that you just you bet you put it on and you just you don't follow the game because it's it's Lincoln to keep a clean sheet at eleven to ten. Absolutely horrible <laughs> kind of bet to watch or follow. But um, I'm going to go for that run to continue to make eight in a row. No no goals for Rochdale, eleven to ten um, at the El Nura Stadium uh, with Paddy Power. Yeah, definitely one to not watch if you're trying to follow it and you've got a bet on. Find actually watching and following games when you're on the unders is uh, is absolute torture. So good advice there from from Will. Um, right, we've covered all the, the main categories. So all that's left really is to ask you both if there's anything that you haven't mentioned that you want to mention now, any other business, floor is yours. Uh, if you've got something, try and keep it brief because we've, we've, uh, we've gone on for quite some time so far. So who wants to go first? I'll go very quickly. Yeah, um, Jordan Garrick to score any time in Swindon, Gillingham. Um, I tweeted about him the other night, and he had two chances in in our horrible derby against Oxford. Um, both of those, I feel, actually were quite big chances, but he just took, he just made an absolute mess of them, and then maybe they they didn't really appear to be as big a chance as they as they really should have been. Uh, a great Oxford block on one, and just an awful finish from another. But he's getting himself into some really nice positions. And I think bookies are considering him more as a winger. Um, he plays quite off of Brett Pittman, who's really slow and cumbersome at centre forward, but great at holding the ball up. Um, so I think Garrick, he, he, he's he's absolutely rapid and he tries to beat players at sort of every opportunity with his pace. And I think he could get a bit of joy against Gillingham, who are quite a sort of rigid side. Um, and he's nine to nine to two to score any time, which, given just the positions he's getting himself into, I think is is a bit too big of a price uh, with Bet three six five. Nice, really like that one, uh, Tom. Yeah, uh, uh, the Hetafe versus Atletico Madrid game really stands out to me because we're getting an Asian goal line of one point seven five, which is incredibly low. And I've mentioned on a previous podcast, whenever you get a line that low. I'm going to have a serious look into it. And I'm taking overs at 1.89 with Bet365. I make it more of a 1.75 shot. Um, 10 of the last 11 Atleti away games, I've seen two or more goals, which would mean you'd, you'd make money back in this selection. And actually, the last 12 all in all in the league have seen uh, two or more goals. So they've all seen over one and a half. Now, the, the problem that you do have is you're coming up against a Tafe team who are usually quite defensively dour but I looked into like the performance data the XG total uh, average for Atletico is 2.24 for Hitafe it's 2.05 which is the lowest in the league um, just under Sevilla but if you combine them you get around what 2.16 something like that so I'm expecting a goal line of two here, and you're getting 1.75. So basically, you're back overs at 1.89 here. Um, you're making money if two or more goals are scored, which is something that you can hardly ever do um, in games before the match has started. It's kind of something you'd probably look more in play just because the odds aren't there. But yeah, you'll make half-stakes profit if two goals are scored. And um, if there's three or more goals, then you'll make full stakes profit. So the only way you don't make money if is, is if zero or one goals are scored. 
which I'm just not having in, in any game, to be honest. And uh, Atletico aren't the Atletico that they used to be. If this was two years ago, uh, I'd probably understand it, but it's a different side now. Take the others. Yeah, certainly agree with you there in terms of the, the goal line. If it's 1.75, always try and find a way to, to attack it. But uh, great stuff. Loads of well-researched, reasoned, suggested plays from the guys. Some great insights and wonderful knowledge as well, um, which I guarantee you won't hear anywhere else on any other podcast. So kudos to you two for that. So if you enjoyed the show, we'd love your social media support, as always. really does help make the time and effort worthwhile from the guys. But we're going to wrap it up there. And a big thanks to the stars of the show, Tom Love. Cheers, Matt. And we'll die. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. This has been the Wheel of Betting Weekend Preview Podcast. Chat soon.